All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to episode 244 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Botano. We actually taped the full one earlier the central division preview and it dropped earlier this morning but there's been some uh, huge breaking news in the central division and so we've decided to come back add this to the start and then we will uh, go to the regular pod afterwards and uh, frank huge news out of winnipeg as the jets get shifley and hellebuck both signed long term at 8.5 million dollars aav each to say that this is a massive surprise i think might be selling it a little bit short. Here we are on the eve of the regular season. And part of our conversation that we had earlier today was kind of talking through how difficult this year might be for the Jets with both of their key pieces unsigned for the future. What happens if this team really struggles? What happens if uh, they're not in the mix? They're going to have tough decisions to make. And now you can see a path for Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley to be career Winnipeg Jets. The deal expires for Mark Shifley at age 39. So this was certainly a surprise. And so I did a little digging in the last um, hour or two since the news broke. And I think really the easiest way to explain how this unfolded is a, the Jets were never really close to moving either player this summer. B, I think GM Kevin Sheveldayoff had a real, um, you know, clear picture from ownership as to they didn't want this to be a rebuild. There was no rebuild coming for the jets. And so what's the best way to remain competitive is to keep your players. And I think with all of that said, a circle back in the last week or two to say, okay, we want you here. What's it going to take? And that's kind of how it unfolded. You know what? I, and uh, Hey, 
Give Shifley and uh, Hellebuck credit. Obviously, they like the organization, right? Like, why else would they stay? They had the opportunity to just wait it out a year and then go test the free agent market and, and see what where they could go and, and who they could potentially sign with. And so you look at Morrissey and you look at Kyle Connor and Ehlers, like they kind of have their core uh, moving forward. And it always helps when you have a goaltender like Hellebuck because to me, that just gives you a chance Every year, we, a goalie gets hot, good, can win a series. And now I think if you're Shifley and Hellebuck, you're going to look at organization and say, okay, we've got us, and I think pretty good value contracts for the next few years. Let's fill it in around us and give us a, you know, a better opportunity to compete. Yeah, I think goalies are, they can play longer. I, I definitely have some question marks about the last few years of the deal for Shifley, but you address those concerns later. The point is to remain competitive now, and the Jets have done that. I think the big question for me is, as we talked about the Jets and their place, not just in the Central Division, but in the NHL, I think you and I were both in agreement earlier this morning that the Jets are not in the Stanley Cup contender category. No. Does you? Neither one of us had the Jets making the playoffs before these signings. Does this... Do these new contract extensions change your mind at all? Well, I had them both on the roster to start. So I, 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 how it changes potentially, and I had the Jets, you know, um, battling right there uh, to be around the wild card spot, but I just had them on the outside. I wonder though, like how much better Shifley and Hellebuck can be now that they don't have to worry about their contract and maybe the entire team, right? Like, this might be one of those mental boosts for your group that they're like, hey, we know everybody's here. We don't have to play on eggshells. We don't have to play thinking, well, it doesn't matter how well we play because they're going to move these guys potentially at the trade deadline. So it could help with the overall psychology of their team, Frank. And it's hard to, it's hard to gauge how big of a win that can be for a team. Right? Like I do think that the mental side of the game matters. And if you have more players comfortable, you have more, a higher chance of success. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think it makes them better this season. Does it vault them into the playoffs or does it keep them in the playoffs? I guess is the correct way to phrase it. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but maybe this allows Kevin Shevel day off now to be more aggressive when it comes to things like the deadline, knowing that these pieces are here and they're not going anywhere. I think it has to. I think it also gives management a better plan on what they're doing, right? Like now they know, Hey, if we're going to add, this is what we're adding to. This is our core moving forward, right? They're, they're not twisting in the wind. They're not having everybody wonder, Hey, uh, do you want to move Shifley now? He's in a, he's a pending UFA. You know, there'll be no trade talks involving Hellebuck and Shifley now for the Winnipeg jets. And so the management I think has a much clearer path of where they're going. Yeah. But I think at the same time, how do you get over the hurdle of, not really being in that contender category. That's the challenge, right? And I think that's that's where Winnipeg, I think they have to look and say, okay, we've got Shifley, we've got our four or five main guys. Now what can we do to augment the rest of our team? That's, you know, they obviously are going to need some, you know, Cole Perfetti hopefully takes another step in his development, right? Sandberg on the back end. And then, you know what? Going to have to make some good moves. That's just, that's just how it is, right? Like they... They, they were a good team, Frank. I agree with your assessment earlier. They were a good team, but not a great team. And I don't know if this makes them a great team, but at least it keeps them competitive because the alternative was 
you get rid of both of them and then you might as well go into a full rebuild that never guarantees you 100% success anyway. And it could last eight to 10 years. Yeah, and every management team is under different pressures, right? Some are market, some are ownership, some are a combination of both, some are financial. When you look at the decision essentially from ownership to say that a rebuild is not palatable, if you're a fan of the team, do you like that? Because you're you're always kind of in the mix? Or do you dislike it because it kind of locks you in now and doesn't really leave a lot of wiggle room for jumping into that contender category? Well, when I look at the contracts, Frank, I like Darlene just signed for 11 mil. And I'm not saying that, that he's not worth it, but I'm just saying you got Hellebuck, who's a clear starting goaltender. I think a lot of people, if he's not in the top five, you'd have him in the top seven, right? Um, so he's a legit starter. Mark Shifley, he isn't a Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, McKinnon, but he's a pretty, he's probably like a mid-tier number one setter. Would that be fair? So I think they've got... Yeah, I think Dylan Larkin contract and Bo Horvat, they, it kind of lines up right in there. The only difference is he's a little bit older than them. Yeah. Um, but it gives them, you know, a decent base moving forward. But now obviously the Jets have always drafted well, but that'll have to continue. And then, you know what, you got to find out, go out there, certain teams that win, you know, they find either diamonds in the rough, like look at Tampa when they went and found Yanni Gord, right? Wasn't drafted, but they went and found him and, and he became a really good piece of their team. And so I think that's what you're going to have to look at management. I think these two signings now put the emphasis on the management to help augment their core. So when you look at the goalie rankings now, you've got Sergei Bobrovsky at 10 million, Andre Vasilevsky 9-5, and Connor Hellebuck will come in third at 8-5. It's still a lot to pay at a time when a lot of teams are going the exact opposite way. And I wonder if in the back of the Jets' mind for management, they were sitting here saying, well, no one was really beating down our door to get these guys on the market this summer because they they would have had to have been listening. When you make the changes that you did with um, with Blake Wheeler moving on and Pierre Luc Dubois, like you have to be open to everything. And I I don't think anyone was beating their door down. So if that's the case, maybe part of this was also these guys have a lot more value to us than they do to the market. And therefore, since we're not getting enough in return, we might as well keep them hundred percent. Right. Like, and the thing is you could spend the next decade trying to find Connor Hellebuck and there's no, there's no guarantee you would like, there's a better chance to find a, you know, a, a good, uh, not elite, but very good. If not great center, that's possible. Sure. But to go out and find a really good competitive, consistent goaltender, man, that's difficult, right? We, we see teams that find and the guy has one good year and then they're gone. Like Hellebuck's been pretty consistent, right? Like when he, when he had a quote off year, Frank, it was like nine twelve. <laughs> so he's a, he's a pretty consistent goaltender. And um, you know what? If you got to pay 8.5, and let's be real here, it's the Winnipeg Jets. It's not like that's a team. And, and it matters at times when you have players that want to stay in your community, want to stay in your team that are competitive, you've got to sign them because – no, there's no guarantee you're, even if you have lots of cap space that you're going to find an equal talented player willing to sign at that cap hit in Winnipeg. It's really hard to do. And maybe the most fair way to sum it all up is that there's probably some pluses and minuses to this. 
huge boost to your organization, knowing that you're locked in, you're going to be competitive for a while and you can evolve and chip away at getting to that next level from there. The downside maybe is that it is a significant commitment in terms of cap and term that is, is locked in with some guys that will be in their upper thirties by the time these deals end. But maybe that's not Kevin shovel day off's problem by then. No. Hey, if Kevin Shea shovel day off is still the GM, when those guys get to 35, then the jets have had some really good regular seasons. Well, guess what? He's already one of the longest tenured GMs in the league. He's been there since day one of jets 2.0. So I don't see him going anywhere. No, I don't, uh, I don't either. So it will be, uh, um, you know what? Good for the jets. I, I think this, I haven't seen the reaction, Frank, cause honestly, I was at Thanksgiving day brunch with our family. So I don't know what the reaction from jets fans is online, but I'd have to think this is a positive. I, yeah, I think there's, I think it's mixed. I think there's a lot of people that are fired up and I think there's a lot of people that are like, Hey, this is a big commitment. And yeah, that's kind of what, you want every deal to be is like a little pinch between the shoulder blades of man, this is a lot, but we think that this sets us up for success. And uh, Hey, stay in and quickly in the uh, central. What did you make of uh, Colorado claiming the goaltender? Ivan uh, Prozvitov. I, he was one of the guys that I had looked at when going through the, the waiver list the other day, a couple people that I had asked around the league about his game. They said, there's clearly some talent there, but weren't sure if it would translate at the NHL level. We'll see. Uh, I'm also not entirely sold that, um, you know, Eustace Ananen was ready to be the backup, at least even to spell this for the time being. So they give Ananen some time to, to work out some kinks and, and continue to develop. And in the meantime, maybe feel a little bit better with uh, Prozvatov and, and we'll see. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. So obviously AJ Greer to Calgary, uh, Ludwig Pittsburgh and uh, Ottawa reclaims Thompson from Anaheim. So the uh, Sens fans who are all losing their minds when they lost, they thought they'd lose all three young prospects. Well, they have them all. Um, It's always a reminder to fan bases. Don't overrate your young prospects. They're not necessary. Just because they have good preseasons, Frank, doesn't mean um, people view them as NHL ready players. There's a very big difference between the preseason and the NHL. And guess what? We're about to see it here with opening night, uh, just 24 hours away. Can't wait. Uh, well, Frank, that was a nice little added on addition here for the, uh, the rundown. And now we will get to our uh, previously uh, recorded rundown of the central division. Uh, also talk about a few contracts. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to the Thanksgiving edition, the Canadian Thanksgiving edition of the DFO Rundown. It's episode 244 brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now at Botano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And uh, we have some news. We will uh, preview the central Division. We've already done the Pacific and the Metro. We'll do the Central today and then the Atlantic later this week. But uh, Frank, let's start with the big news. Rasmus Dahlin, eight years, $11 million with the Buffalo Sabres. They've locked up other guys, and uh, um, but Cousins and Thompson uh, definitely a little bit lower than what Russ uh, Dahlin comes in at. 
Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I saw the comparison right away. People were saying on Twitter, well, oh, look what Jake Sanderson just signed for. Why is Rasmus Dahlin $3 million more than that? The answer is because they're not comparables. One was buying way more UFA years. Dahlin was coming off of a bridge deal. The last three years, he's been making $6 million a year, or last two. This year, he's entering the final year of that deal, which will pay him six. So people were saying, well, is he worth it to jump up into the $11 million range, which is higher than every defenseman in the league except for two others, Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty? My answer to that is you must not have watched a lot of Sabres games because Darlene is that good and he's only going to get better. I think it's been a, I don't want to say slow build to this point, but he has certainly lived up to that number one pick uh, that he was selected at a few years ago. And, and it's been in fits and starts, I think for the Sabres as a whole, but they've gotten to where they want to get to. And I, I use this term on Twitter earlier today when talking about the deal and, and fans didn't like that I used the phrase. And so if I offended anyone, that certainly wasn't my intention. But to say that Darlene and Powers are the Sabres twin towers, I, I think is an affectionate and, and, and nice way to say what they've developed on their back end because those two guys are going to be staples and they're going to be standing there for a long time. Okay, I, I guess if people want to try to make the connection, but the Twin Towers is a reference to defensemen in hockey many times before when you have two big, uh, steady defensemen on the back end. So I understood what you were uh, referencing to. I'm pretty sure it had nothing to do with uh, um, September 11th. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm sure people will look and say, well, if you're Owen Power, you could ask for the same. But as you mentioned, Frank, you know, UFA years matter. It's like when people always try to compare contracts, you have to take in buying ufa years you just have to it's it's a reality of, of the cap world and ufas get paid more it's just especially top end ufas obviously bottom end guys not so much but top end ufa guys get paid more that's just how it goes yeah and look i mean kale mccarr is at nine and a half million dollars is kale mccarr a better defenseman than rasmus Dahlin? the answer is yes kale mccarr is the best defenseman in the world but as we were just talking about he was coming off of entry level and had to buy a bunch of RFA years instead of UFA years. And there's a limit as to how much you can get. It's kind of hard to just vault right into the $11 million range right out of entry level. It doesn't really happen. So that's, <laughs> yeah, but, and that's a different case. He's the best yeah. player in the world. Yeah. So you're right. It's rare. You know what? Well, the cap's going to go up. Rasmus Dahlin, his play continues. Uh, to improve and you know even if maintains at the level he's at he'll probably get decent value uh, over the term of that contract but uh, it, you know buffalo's got a lot of their guys locked up uh, i think owen power is going to be next uh, it, it might know, not be value i want to stop you it might not be value but it's appropriate yeah i don't well, it doesn't have to be great value just, i don't think me, it's it, there's no discount there and buying long term no. it's just that you have a really key piece of your team that isn't going anywhere. And now Owen power who's entering the final year of his entry level deal, which at the end of it, just to keep in mind, will be a 10 to C meaning no arb and no offer sheet rights. You know, if he were to, to sign the same length contract eight years, 
that would take both these guys through 2032. That's a big, big deal for the Sabres and, and certainly a lot less to worry about. When I say good value, Frank, I mean, like, look at the fact that when Drew Doughty signed his contract and then look at when Eric Carlson signed his and then look at what the cap overall is going to be during the term of Darlene's contract. I think when I, he's not going to be a bargain basement deal. Fine. It's not like it's going to be Nathan McKinnon or David Pasternak or Leon Dreisaitl, but I don't think it's going to be a gross overpay is what I'm saying. Agreed. No, totally. And I, that makes a lot of sense because consider when those guys signed, the cap was 81 and a half, 82 and a half, whatever that range. At some point in the very near future, three, four years, it's going to be a hundred million dollars. Well, when Dowdy signed, I bet you the salary cap was closer to like 70. His contract has been around a long time. <laughs> Doesn't it feel that way? Oh, yeah, it has been. So uh, also yesterday, uh, a big day as teams get, you know, today, of course, final rosters have to be in by uh, 3 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, 47 players placed on waivers yesterday. Any surprises? Not really. I think teams were kind of squirming. And a couple of them still are as we get close to roster submission deadline of how do I make sure I don't give anyone any assets for free? I think everyone has kind of been sitting here going, I don't really want to hand the Tampa Bay lightning a goalie. This is the last thing I want, especially if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Martin Jones went unsigned well into August, late August. No one wanted him. Toronto Maple Leafs step up. Give him 875. He's got a roster bonus of 100,000 that's payable on October 10th. And they're thinking it'd be nice to have some organizational depth. And then Vasilevsky goes down and it's like, wait, are we handing a division rival, a goalie that played 48 games for the Kraken last year? So I think the thought process and idea was let's see if we can get an asset for this guy that at least if we're going to lose the depth that we get, you know, even a little something for him. Obviously, that's not going to materialize. The Lightning, the Avs, all these other teams are sitting here going, just put them on waivers. We'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, and we'll see. Um, you know, Martin Jones did play a lot of games in Seattle last year, but, you know, didn't have a great save percentage, 895, I think it was. So, um, you know, I, you know, Tampa Bay, I think, could make sense uh, in a short term. You know, it is interesting. Toronto puts that extra $100,000 bonus in just because they're hoping that my team is like, well, I don't know if I want to pay that right away. Obviously, Tampa Bay, I'm pretty sure doesn't care. But it's it's a small little thing to try to, you know, appease the uh, player uh, and, and appease uh, maybe a team saying, man, I don't want to do it. But you know what? Every year, like last week, Ottawa fans were losing their minds because they were going to lose. Lassie so Thompson. Yeah, well, they lost Thompson, who now got put back on waivers today by Anaheim, or yesterday. Right, but so also, what I'm saying is that kind of goes to show you, like, maybe the Sens and how they viewed him isn't really that different than even one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, but remember, Docker was on it, and also Sokolov, and they were, oh my goodness, that's three prospects, they're going to lose them all. Well, if Ottawa wants to claim, um, what's his name again back here, uh, Lassie Thompson, they can have him if no one else claims him and put him in the minors. So they might end up with all three of them still. So it's from year to year, there's there's lots of Even if someone have, claims him, they get first right of refusal. But not if it's someone lower than them in the pecking order. I don't know if they're going to claim him or not. It's almost like once you rip the Band-Aid off, or I should say reclaim him, um, once you rip the Band-Aid off and he goes to another organization for a week, has the shine worn off? 
Maybe we've seen teams reclaim guys after and that they can send them directly to the minors. But um, but I also thought it was, we'll have to double check it. I thought if, if another team puts, if another team puts a claim in, then uh, they have the right to keep him in the NHL. And obviously that's what the players want because they want mm-hmm. as many guys potentially in the NHL. Um, we'll find out today. Do you expect anybody? And were you surprised by the Detroit Zach Austin Reese? Uh, not really necessarily surprised that he didn't get a PTO in Carolina. I think it's been a bit of a challenge for them because they're the only team in the NHL that doesn't have an AHL affiliate. They have nowhere to put these guys. And that's actually been, I don't want to say problematic for him, but it's definitely been more difficult than it's needed to be for every other franchise. They've had to send guys to the ECHL guys that they liked on PTOs that were maybe willing to take a two-way deal. You can't really sign it because there's nowhere to place them. So that's that's not easy. Um, but no, to to come through and and sign in Detroit, it was only a matter of time before someone scooped him up. I, I'm not saying he's a game breaker or anything, but a really competent fourth line player that can skate. Double digit goals last year. Someone's gonna sign him if he's only looking for a two way. And uh, was there was a trade. Sam Lafferty goes to uh, Vancouver for a fifth rounder. Uh, Toronto, obviously, that's just a salary cap dump. Uh, they are trying to get uh, right uh, under the cap. Obviously, they're going to put two guys on LTIR in Murray and Muzzin. That's ten point three million. But uh, you know, we'll see what they do. Some juggling. Well, you know, will Mitten stay around there to start the season? Uh, you know, nineteen year olds in the NHL. It happens every now and then, but it's rare to be a successful teenager. Yeah, and they've got a a PTO that uh, is in need of a contract Uh, by all accounts. um, Noah Gregor has had a good camp and they're uh, I'm sure they're in the process. Like a few other teams are with other PTOs of trying to nail down their cap situation. Look at uh, the Edmonton Oilers and Adam Ernie. You've got uh, Austin Watson in Tampa. Uh, Pittsburgh has Libor Hayek there, as well as Mark Pizik. There's a whole bunch of PTOs who are sitting here on the eve of the regular season saying, when's it going to be my turn? Yeah, well, it's interesting about Edmonton. Um, the injury to Marcus Niemalainen, he wasn't going to make the team, but because he's injured, they can't send him down to the minors. Um, it's not a serious enough injury right now to put him on LTR. They'll reevaluate him in a week and see. Um, but, you know, that kind of, puts them in a spot where they might not have had to put Peterson or Lavoie on waivers had Nima Line and not been uh, injured because he would have went down and they would have kept one of them. And so now they got to make a decision here. They'll find out the health of McLeod and Kulak at Ekholm. And I think that's going to play a part in what they, what they decide to do here in the next 24 hours. Yeah. And I, look, I talked about this with Ken Holland on frankly speaking, which dropped today on Canadian Thanksgiving. I went one-on-one with Jay Woodcroft and Ken Holland as I wrapped up my Western Canadian training camp preview tour. And the fact of the matter is the Oilers are just in a way different place than they were three years ago, five years ago. It's not about developing anymore. It's about go time. And it's about putting the best roster possible together to try and chase a Stanley cup. And so to say that the Oilers, you know, want to lose Raphael Lavoie, I think is totally inaccurate, but here's the truth is with where he's at in his development path, they can't really afford to give him 80 games or 82 games to try and figure it out. And so I think part of their thought process was we may have to rip this bandaid off at some point, 
might as well try and do it at a time when there's 46 other guys on waivers on Sunday that hopefully he passes through and we'd like to keep him. But if he, if he gets claimed, like that's just the risk that you have to take first off for cap flexibility. And those reasons you mentioned the Nima line injury, and that's uh, not very timely for them in terms of their cap situation, but there's not a lot of space to go around. So you have to make hard decisions. And if it wasn't, now for Raphael Lavoie in, in October, it would have been three weeks from now or six weeks from now, and you'd be doing it at a time where he might be the only guy on waivers that day, the only guy to make a decision on. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. You're going to, I think we're going to see Frank by today. You might see seven or eight teams with a 21 man roster, maybe even 20 for some uh, to start the season as they uh, juggle the salary cap. And, and I'm sure the capologists are very excited about the increase in cap space starting a year from now. So it'll be a, a lot time. easier for them to jump a it. Now let's get to our preview. We will start in the, we're going to the central division today. If you missed the, Oh, shout out to all of the Islander fans. Uh, we see you and uh, we see your passion. It's great. Islander fans are fired up that uh, we didn't have them making the postseason. but I just want to point out one thing. Every year since 2014, there has been a turnover of five teams who didn't make the playoffs, who then made the playoffs the next year. One of them last year was Vegas. They won the cup. So the odds are there's going to be four or five fan bases right now. Your team made the playoffs last year, and now you're annoyed because we're not picking them to make the playoffs this year. And I don't even have four. I had I didn't have five. I had four teams that were in that are out and then vice versa. So just want to point that you out. You said folks. since 2014? Yeah. That's a great stat. Yeah, so say, say yeah. it one more time so everyone can process it. So since 2014, every year there's five new playoff teams who weren't in the playoffs the year before. So if you look at if you're a Pittsburgh fan, you're a Buffalo fan, you're a Calgary fan, you're a, a Vancouver fan, you might say, "Hey, this is good for us. The odds will tell us we got a chance to get back in." Washington maybe, Ottawa. So That's a classic Jason Greger stat because anecdotally in my head and i've actually said this a bunch of times i've been saying every year six teams make the playoffs that really we had we thought would have no business being in the playoffs and every year six teams that were like yeah they're a stone cold mortal lock those teams end up missing so it's interesting how it you know just in my head i thought that was the case but the data of what you're saying kind of backs that up that oh yes you don't you just don't know no, not well. Look at New Jersey and Seattle. They had forty-point improvements last year from the year before to make it into the playoffs. And then you throw in Vegas, who had missed the now Vegas, of course, just missed it. But still, like Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa in the East, especially. There's lots of teams that go up and down. I think in the West, Calgary and Vancouver are probably the two most likely to get back in. But don't count out the St. Louis Blues, right? Like who knows if the Blues bounce back? So it'll be interesting to there. So let's start in the Central, Frank. Now here's one team. Sorry, Blackhawk fans. I don't see you making that big of an improvement this year. There will be an improvement. I, obviously, I think there'll be an improvement in excitement level because the uh, the Blackhawks have made a lot of changes. Frank, some significant additions to their team. Obviously, Connor Bedard being number one. Taylor Hall, Nick Felino, Corey Perry, Ryan Donato are all in. Uh, you know, some defensemen who played there last year at the end, so I don't include them necessarily as new. But what do you make of the Blackhawks? How improved do you think they can be? I still think they're in for one more year of pain before they can begin to turn the corner. And I think 
Bedard is going to be so good this year that they're going to have to turn the corner more quickly than they probably even envisioned or planned. It's, it's a good problem to have. I mean, I said this last year that they have now accomplished, I think, the most difficult part of the rebuild. You rebuild, you re, you know, you tear everything down to get a chance, a prayer at getting a player of this caliber. So it's going to be a lean year. Uh, their defense in particular is really thin, but I like some of the changes that they've made to provide a bit of a supporting cast for Connor Bedard. And I think Taylor Hall just, he makes all the sense in the world. Not only do I think he still has some game left, but having been a number one overall pick and not just being a number one overall pick, but having already been in this situation to help bring along another number one overall pick as Taylor Hall was asked to do by the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid, this guy is the perfect person to put on his wing. He understands the pressure. He understands everything that comes with it, the eyeballs. I, I could, and to get him for free, like it just, it's an awesome move. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important. Blackhawk fans, Sidney Crosby, 2006, Penguins, 29th out of 30 teams. Connor McDavid, 2015-16, 29th out of 30 teams. So um, Bedard's going to be great, but is it going to lead to instant success? Now you might say, hey, what about the Toronto Maple Leafs with Austin Matthews? Okay, that's possible. But um, even Ovi was 27th with Washington when he came in. It's There's a reason the team picks first. It's because usually they're a bad team the year before, and it's tough to have a major turnaround. I think they can improve by 15, maybe 18 points, which is still a really big improvement, but I don't see them. Uh, being a playoff team. And I'm not sure that they're not going to finish last in their division, Frank. I still have them finishing last because I think the Arizona Coyotes are going to improve. I'm not buying the hype that the Coyotes are going to be massively improved, but uh, I do think the Coyotes will be improved enough uh, next season that they'll be able to stave off um, bought, uh, Chicago catching them in the bottom of that division. So here's what's interesting about what you just said, those two stats about the Penguins in 2006 finishing 29th and the Oilers in 2016 finishing 29th. Both teams the next year made the playoffs. Yep. The, the following year. So it is possible to have this be the intermediary step or intermediate step. And one other stat that I want to point out, because I, I want from you a point total prediction and a goal prediction for Connor Bedard. Sidney Crosby in that dreadful Penguin season when they finished 29th, they had 58 points that year. They changed coaches halfway through the year. Eddie Olchick out, Michelle Terry in. Mario Lemieux still on the team. But Sidney Crosby steps into the league as an 18-year-old. And that year was a little bit crazy because of all the power plays. So yeah. goal scoring was way up. But Crosby has 39 goals and 102 points. I'm saying this year, Connor Bedard, north of 100. Um, I know our, our daily face-off previews come out, and I actually had Bedard at 79, um, which I still think is great. Um, it's hard to score, but you're right, Crosby. That year was a little bit different because of all the, the power plays and such. Like We're talking like 150 more power plays per team than what we see right now, which is crazy. And so that's a lot more goals. Um Connor McDavid had 48 points in 45 games, which puts him at around an 87, 88 point pace. Um, so injuries obviously are a factor. 
um, the amount of offense. And I just like Chicago. Now you, you mentioned Taylor Hall. That's a big advantage, right? Like Taylor Hall's a legit top six player in my eyes. And I think it's Ryan Donato who's been playing with them and Donato. Well, he's, you know, he's got a lot of warts to his game. He does know how to finish. So I think, I think Bedard will be all right, but man, I hope he scores a hundred points. I hope he I didn't have undervalued. So Crosby didn't have anywhere near the help that, that Bedard has this year. Mark Recchi was a good player. Then he was 37. Yeah. He had 57 points. John LeClaire was 36. He had 51. The second leading scorer on the Penguins that year was Sergei Gonchar on the back end. Yeah. I, Taylor Hall, like, I know the Bruins were in a cap crunch, but if you take a look at Taylor Hall's numbers last season, 36 points, he only played 61 games. Um, it, it's not bad. So he he's on track for a 48-point season last year. I bet you he gets close to 70. Okay. Taylor Hall. Because the one guy I looked at that I thought was a decent comparison was now it wasn't his experience. He's playing on the but, third line, by the way, in Boston. Yeah, I know. And then look at his look at his playoffs. Didn't he have five goals in that first round series loss? Um, Austin Matthews rookie year, Frank. He had 40 goals, finished with 69 points, played all 82 games, and he had Marner. And Nylander, granted, they were young. Nazem Kadri, they had some decent players. They all had 60 points combined. So that was maybe the difference. It all kind of spread around. So I hope Bedard gets 100, man. Uh, that would be unbelievable. But if he gets 100, then I think Taylor Hall has got to be close to, to 80 points or more. So I come to you from Pittsburgh. Uh, that's where I'm doing today's pod. And I'm here for Connor Bedard's first NHL game on Tuesday night, which yeah. I think is kind of cool that it's against Sid and the Penguins. Here's my bold, another bold take is that in a couple years time, the only player in the league that's better than Connor Bedard is Connor McDavid. Meaning I think that when he finally gets going, he's going to be at a level, you know, very close to Sidney Crosby. Uh, better than McKinnon and Matthews. Wow, I like it. Dry side. Those some pretty good players. So I'm telling you, this guy's that good. Okay. And I don't want you know, I hate to heap so much expectation and hope and thought. He's he's I'm I, I really think he's that good. Well, the more uh, exciting elite players in the league, the better the league is. So I hope it happens. Uh let's go to Arizona. What do you, what do you make of the uh coyotes here? Here's the changes for them, and lots on defense. Doom, uh, Dumba, Dursey, and Dermot are in uh, the three Ds. Then uh, Zucker, Kerfoot, Cooley, uh, Dylan Gunther, uh, if he makes it up front. So lots of changes. Are you buying that the Coyotes are going to be significantly improved? I am selling. <laughs> I think they're going to be improved, but I, yeah. I they've been a trendy playoff pick. I'm yeah. sorry. I just don't see it. I am. I'm, I and see the changes they made on their back end. I, I really like the Jersey trade. I think they basically got a 45 point 24 year old defenseman for like free 99. That trade for a second round pick, like he should have been a first all day long on talent. And, and it's perfect for them. I'm just, I'm not a believer in the rest of the defense core. Yeah, I mean, let fair. me let me read you the eight guys: Dumba, Dursey, Brown, jo that's Josh Brown, Troy Stetcher, Yuso Valimaki, JJ Moser, Victor Soderstrom, and Travis Dermott. 
Dermot is a fringe NHL player. Yusuf Alamaki was a waiver claim last year. Troy Stetcher has been all over the place. Josh Brown. I mean, Dumba lingered on the free agent market forever. This defense core is kind of there's. I don't want to say spare parts because I think that's too that's that cuts too deep. But I don't. I also don't think it's really that far off. And all eight guys, you know what they have in common? None of them has a contract beyond this season, which is crazy, right? You don't you don't see that very often. Um, my concern why I don't think the Coyotes uh, make the playoffs is very simple. It's the trend we've seen in the NHL, Frank. Teams that win have massive defense cores. Not everyone, but they have one D-man over 6'2", and that's Josh Brown at 6'5". Right? Uh, Valimaki, 6'2". Um, you know, that's it. And I just, size, you, you don't cover as much space in today's NHL, just wingspan, everything like that. You got to reach more to defend. I, I think that's going to be an issue. I think, you know, I really like Clayton Keller. I think they've got some offense coming. I'm curious to see how good Cooley's going to be this year. There's lots of hype about him. I'm excited really to see what he brings into uh, to Arizona. And uh, I see them improving, but 25-point improvement to make the playoffs, I think, is too much in a division that has lots of other teams like Calgary and Vancouver ahead of them that want to improve, even St. Louis, uh, Nashville, who missed by three points. So I'll say the Coyotes finish with 80 points, but still miss the playoffs. I think that's a really fair expectation. And I was probably a little bit hard on JJ Moser for someone that's 23 and was drafted in 2021. Yeah. Good player. Like, but still needs time. So, um, it's another year of growth. Like I think they take a big step forward, probably on the back of someone like Logan Cooley this year. Like, I think he's going to be really good. So it's an exciting time to be a coyotes fan, but I also felt like with the pieces they added and spent, like they did spend a bit this summer. And I think they're trying to push to be closer to a playoff team, to be competitive, to have something in their market to sell. Cause they need to put an arena together. They need to sell a, a municipality on an arena. I just don't think they're there yet. Yeah, no, that's fair. Barrett Hayton, man, if he continues how he finished last season, like I see why the arrows are pointing up finally in Arizona. Um, but it's, it's to me, it's another year away, but if Nick Schmaltz can stay healthy, him and Keller got real good chemistry. Um, Barrett Hayton, like that was a really good, like that's a pretty good trio there. It's a pretty good starting point for them to at least have hope in the desert that things are on the uptick. Um, but as you pointed out, eventually they're going to have to solidify their defense core at, at, at somehow to see, uh, to see where they go. They're also going to need to get an arena. Like, let's be honest. That's the biggest story in Arizona this year. Gary Bettman last week at the board of governors meeting seemed to hint at the idea that February is their deadline. If you don't have an arena in place by then that he said, let's I think he said, let's see where they are. They have a decision to make. And I just can't envision the league staying in Arizona long-term at mullet arena. It's just not feasible. No, no, that's a, it's totally fair. Like I love the I love the atmosphere there. I want to say that it's great, but it's not a long term solution. There's no there's no debating that. Like you can't you can't have a five thousand seat facility in an NHL. It's just not going to work. So now here, Frank, this next team, who I think last year was disappointing for where they finished, six in the division, at eighty one points, and the St. Louis Blues. I think were maybe one of the bigger underachievers last year. They bring in Hayes. 
Kapanen and Verana, who, by the way, that guy scores goals. If he can stay healthy, chalk him up for 30 goals, man. Like his goal per 60 rate the last few years has been banged up lots. If he is on, man, that guy's a, that guy can score some goals for you. But, you know, it's a little bit of a transition. Obviously, they started last year when they moved out Tarasenko and O'Reilly in the middle of the season and Barbashev. So what do you make of the Blues? What's your biggest question mark and where do you see them finishing? I see them finishing fourth in the division. Um, I think their biggest question mark is goaltending. I think on paper, that team isn't as bad as they were last year, but they couldn't get it right. Um, I felt like it was kind of just a lost season for them from the very beginning. Ryan O'Reilly was banged up and then was never really the same. Uh, They didn't get off on the right foot. Bennington was never really good. Um, I, I just think they can be better. I have them just missing the playoffs. I think they're one of the true wild card teams, meaning yeah. you don't really know what you're going to get in the league. Their defense core is obviously pretty established. Some awkwardness with Tory Krug having, um, you know, flexed the no trade muscle, which good for him in doing so. So they've got a bunch of older guys that are locked up long term, but up front with Cairo and Thomas as the the pillars and new cap newly named captain Braden Shen I think they've got enough pieces there to be dangerous you mentioned Verana and the goal scoring it's not Kenny it's just Kenny walked the straight and narrow he hasn't been able to to do that in the eyes of the Detroit Red Wings who shipped him off for nothing um and they've got a bunch of other kind of hope bets Kasperi Kapanen, another guy that needs to rejuvenate his career. Kevin Hayes comes in at half price. And I think you mentioned this before. Half price for Kevin Hayes, three and a half million bucks. You're going to be thrilled. That's like, that's the perfect place for Kevin Hayes. So I think they've got some upside. I I think they're a curious team. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see the St. Louis Blues get to November or December and have Joel Hofer take over and be starting most of their games. Well, that's the, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you, Frank. That's the question mark is, is Jordan Biddington like, Hey, I, it was unbelievable when they won the Stanley cup. That's many years ago. We're talking five years now. So he's got four year left on his deal at $6 million. Hofer's got two years at seven seventy five, but they're at the point now where salary cap doesn't matter. If you're going to play better then you play. And for the next two years, if you have 6.75 in your goaltenders, regardless of who's paying who, get good goaltending. It doesn't matter who's in net. And I think that's a big key for them. The Krug situation, you know what? Um, Like anything, maybe it's not ideal. He had mentioned it that they tried to trade him. He said, no, I want to be there. So, you know, we'll see. Other guys have asked for trades. It didn't work out. Um, And then they stayed there, and it lasted a long time. This is a little bit different because, obviously, he vetoed the trade. But... Like the Blues, to me, on paper, like when you look at their their defense, now they the change in their defense was they went from that hulking blue line when they won, and they got a lot smaller, right? And Falk and Krug and Nick Letty just aren't the same, uh, you know, as Petrangelo or Jay Bomeister in size, right? They're just different. And so I look or at their back up. end. I still think they're good, but it's more so up front. Like Cairo and Thomas have been pretty consistent up front can they take the next step now right like they're yeah they got to get to the next level yes they're the main guys and can they can they become 85 point players that i think is the key and then the wild card for me honestly is jacob verana how well can he play because 
Don't be surprised. If he scores 30 goals and he plays, all, I'm not surprised if he plays all year because that guy knows how to score goals. I mean, we talked about this last year when he went on waivers. Goals per 60, he's like, since he joined the league, is only like Alex Ovechkin is ahead of him. He, nah, he could. Relative to minutes played, he scores a lot. Yeah. But the thing is, he's had some off-ice issues and hasn't been able to get it together. And I mean, the fact that the Red Wings retained half and traded him for nothing should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. And sometimes, you know what? Guys need to change the scenery. And Detroit felt like, hey, it wasn't working there. So away you go. And I wish him luck off the ice. Hope everything's good there. And if he can stay healthy, he might be a surprise for the Blues. I'm with you, though. I have them missing the playoffs. I think I have them actually fifth in the uh, in the division. So Next what about, um, wait, wait, wait. What about Edmonton Oil King, Jake Neighbors? Uh, well, What's Neighbors played what? I think half the year there last year, 43 games or something like that. Um, I think need, Neighbors. Need more from him. Yeah, I think he's really, Frank, I look at Jake Neighbors as a third line player. Right? I'm not, he's not a top six just yet. I wouldn't have him as somebody I would pencil in my top six. I think he could be a solid third line player. He's strong. You know, you'd like to get a bit quicker. And that's obviously what, you know, you can say that about a lot of players, but um, when Jake neighbors is on his game, he kind of fits how the blue style is, right. He's a little bit robust, you know, greasy goals. That's kind of what he is. You know, he's not a, he's not a guy that's going to overwhelm you by scoring from distance all the time. It's not really his, it, not, not that there's many guys in the league that can do that, but um, I don't have, I have Jake neighbors. If he's on their third line and contributes, I think that's a good year for him. Okay. 2020 first round pick. Like he's a, he's a guy that they're counting on to take another step. Yeah, for sure. And I think that would be a good step for him. Like a realistic step, um, being a full timer, every game and solid third line guy who can moonlight when you get some injuries into your top six. Now the Nashville predators, Frank, and, uh, Man, there's been some big changes in Nashville. Duchesne bought out. Granlin's gone. Obviously, they, you know, Johansson's gone. Um, you know, you look at Jankowski, McCarron. Now they traded Jano late last year. So they got a lot of changes. They bring in Ryan O'Reilly, who's, you know, has got a great character. Everybody knows kind of what he brings. Uh, Nyquist, Gurionov might be a, a real bargain basement. We'll see if he can find his game. And then really, they're hoping the young guys last year, right? Uh, Evangelista and Tomasino, who down the stretch played really well. So the question in Nashville will be, was that a 20-game heater, or can those young guys continue? I tend to lean more towards a 20-game heater, but we'll see. They also claimed Samuel Fagamo off waivers from the LA Kings, um, a guy with some pedigree and was really highly thought after. Here's the thing with the Preds. I don't think they're going to be worse, but I also don't, I don't, or I shouldn't say much worse. I definitely don't think they got better. Just look at the sheer talent that they traded away at the deadline. I mean, yeah. five really critical pieces. Plus then the guys that they bought out um, or, or, or moved, they, they lost a lot of talent. But I think what they'll make up for this year and also with the coaching change is a culture change. Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, they're not back because Barry Trotz wanted to get back to the Predators way. 
And I think it's fair to say that the last couple years as they were chasing and trying to hang on to the success that they had in the middle part of the decade and getting to that Stanley Cup final, they were trying so hard to get back there that I think they lost sight of what they were trying to build to begin with. And so this is a bit of a reset. Um, I do not have the Preds as a playoff team. I don't want to spoil it, but I think only three teams from the Central make it, and we'll get to those in a bit. But I see this as a, a year of... It's an awkward transition because they still have a really good goalie in UC Soros, and they still have a defenseman that's Naris caliber and Roman Yossi. But outside of that, I see a team that's really going to struggle to score. Well, hey, hundred percent, man. I, I actually like their blue line overall. I think they can move the puck. Well, I think they got, you know, Ryan McDonough is not what he was when he was winning Stanley Cups, but he's still a pretty good player. Uh, Tyson Berry, I think is fine. Obviously Roman Yossi's elite. UC Saros. I think most of us would have him as top five goalie in the league, but Where's their offense? And that's why they're going to have to have some of those young guys continue on. They're going to have to hope that Cody Glass takes another step, um, you know, that Ryan Riley can be a big leader. But here's the thing, Frank, their highest paid, like after Forsberg, right, because he's obviously their offensive leader, their next highest paid forward is Ryan O'Reilly at 4.5 million bucks. Like they just don't have a lot of guys that, that even the salary cap would suggest they're expecting offense from. It's a tough place to be. I mean, this game is kind of more reliant on offense than ever before. Like I said, they've got a guy that can keep the puck out of the net and hold their head above water, but who's going to get them further than that? As I, as I outlined earlier, Frank, the last four years combined point totals, teams that are in the top 10, eight of them are also top 10 in goals for, and only five of them are in goals against top 10. So it's still offense in today's NHL in the regular season definitely uh, is a big factor if you want to win games. And I think that's going to be the struggle for Nashville. Now, maybe they can get a lot of guys having career years that, you know, kind of like Seattle last year. That's what I think they're going to have to hope for. That's got to be their game plan. That because they outside of Forsberg, they don't really have any high end proven offensive scores. And that's where they're at. But I like that Barry Trotz is coming in and saying enough. Andrew Brunette. He's not, there's no nonsense there. Yeah. But it's essentially we we think we're better off without some of the guys that we had here. Quite clearly making a statement that he felt like they really just weren't good and, and conducive to winning. Yeah. So I think Nashville will work hard. I, I think they'll be tough to score against, but ultimately scoring is going to be their downfall. And I'm like you, I don't have them as a playoff team. They had 92 points last year. I actually see them sliding back into the 80s uh this year for the Preds. Yeah, I see them around 85. No, we are halfway through the uh, central. So we welcome in uh, Tyler Ramchuk. Ty, how you doing? I'm good, gentlemen, and I'm ready to roll with a fresh edition of fill in the blank brought to you by Batano central division themed edition of the game. And I got you guys doing uh, similar to what I did a couple of weeks ago. You're going to try guess some percentages here based on what our friends at Batano are throwing out there. Uh, but for the first one, we'll go a little different. You talked about the Blues and Preds. Neither of you have them as a playoff team. But between the Blues and Preds, blank will finish with more points this year, Frank. I got the Blues. Uh, I just think they're a more complete team. Big question mark about their goaltending. But I think they're more well-rounded than the Preds. Really good question because I think it's going to be close. Uh, last year, I, I think the uh, the gap was was a was what like eleven points, ten or eleven. Memory serves me. So I will say 
It's the Blues, but only by like four points. Botano has it at dead 50-50. It is a pick between the Blues and Preds for who will finish higher in the standings this year. Up next, a couple of teams you guys haven't talked about yet. The Minnesota Wild are up first on my list. There is a blank percent chance that the Minnesota Wild hit 100 points this year. Gregor, what do you say? I'll say pretty good. So I'll say like 71. Um, it's not a great start by losing your captain here for, for a bit. Odd so number. that might limit him a bit, but... I will, uh, yeah, I'll say, you know what? I might even say 75. Pretty good, but like you could have a good year and still only have 99, 98 yeah. points. Frank? I think it's closer to 55 or 60. Um, I, th- I just don't know if their defense is really as good as it once was. And I think Spurgeon being out for the start of the year is going to hurt. They're asking a lot of Philip Gustafson. I don't want to do the whole wild preview now, but I think they're probably somewhere in the 97 to 102 range. So Botano is actually a little bit lower on them or the books, I should say, are a little bit lower on them than you guys. They have it at 47%. So it's paying out about plus 110 on the Minnesota Wild to hit the 100 point mark this season a couple of more for you based on the abs and stars we'll start with colorado frank there is a blank percent chance that colorado wins the west in the regular season 50 percent. 50 you're that high hey you think they're a lock to basically win their division then not a lock but i think they're like a 50 to 52 percent chance to win the west like that i think they're gonna be really really good all right jay um well I really only see three teams and probably two. It's them or Dallas. Um, I, I don't see Minnesota competing for the division title. So, but it's win the West. I, win the West. Yeah. Oh, win the sorry. Yeah, win the um, West in the regular season. No, then no. I will. Uh, um, that I would say it's a little bit lower because I think there might be three teams. So I will say thirty-two percent. All right, they have a twenty percent chance according to Botano coming in at four to one. Next up, same question. But what about for the Dallas Stars? Percent chance you think the Stars can win the West? Maybe overtake the Avs for that top spot in the Central and beat out the Pacific teams, Jay? Well, if the Avs are 20, I can't see the Stars being higher, although I like Dallas. But um, although Dallas is roster, man, you look at their defense and goaltending, like Colorado made a lot of changes. You know what? I'm going to say Dallas is probably the same odds. I'll say 20%. All right, Frank? Yeah, I think it's like 30-something. All right, uh, 12.5%. They're coming in at 7-1 to one to win the Western Conference. They're also plus 175 to win the Central. Colorado comes in at plus 135 to win the Central Division. And there you go. Who's boys. the favorite to win the West? The favorite to win the West is Colorado at 4-1. to one. I believe both them and Edmonton are, uh, Edmonton are, are even at 4-1. to one. All right. The odds were really good, at least from what I was looking at Botano in the last few days, were really good for Vegas, meaning the books really like Vegas to be good again. Uh, sorry, Vegas is in that group as well. So Edmonton, Colorado and Vegas are all four to one. And then it drops to Dallas at seven to one LA at eight to one to win the West this year. I actually think there's really good value on Colorado and Dallas. Yeah. Because I, I, we just, you know, you can go back and, and work through our Pacific division preview I just think it's a harder division than the central. I think there's a lot of mushy middle in the central. And I think that should theoretically mean more points for the teams in the central. And if one of those two teams can distinguish themselves, 
then you've probably got a really good shot to win the West. All right. There you go, guys. That's a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank, brought to you by Batano. I'm excited, man. One day away. Tomorrow, the NHL regular season is back. I can't wait. There's three games pumped. And then can I get going? Oh, can I give you a fill in the blank? And I want to bring Tyler back for this. Your favorite Thanksgiving dish is? Oh, pumpkin pie. Fresh pumpkin pie and fresh farm whipped cream. Because if you haven't had farm whipped cream, you don't know it. And so I apologize for anybody who's never had it. Your taste buds, you've been living a life unfulfilled to this point. (laughs) But you get fresh cream from the cow and you whip it. I'm telling you guys, it's uh, as Stretty would say, it's a bouquet of flavors coming in your mouth. That's how he likes to describe it. All right. I am going to go with uh I'm I love mashed potatoes and stuffing and mixing the two together and just covering it in gravy. Like really? it's oh man. <laughs> I don't know mixing what it is. Mixing the two of them together? Oh, and it's like slop too. Like it does not look appetizing at all, but it is so good. Like that is honestly what I look forward to the most about the Thanksgiving dinner. So here's my hot take on Thanksgiving. The dinner's overrated. Then what? But you the love holiday is good. Okay, but the dinner itself is overrated because if it was good, we would eat it more than once a year. But it takes so much effort, which is the problem. Yeah, turkey. Although we eat ham quite. See, we got ham now. I've kind of mixed in the ham, which uh, we eat quite a bit during the year now. But I will say this, and I'm probably in the minority. I can't stand stuffing. Like, really? seriously? Oh, I like no, I don't eat it. Like I, it seems, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'll eat my mom's stuffing, right? That's what they yeah. do. But a stuffing is just no thanks. Let's get now to the Minnesota wild who of course finished a uh, third in the uh, central last year. Really good season. 46 wins, 103 points. Uh, they made a few moves in the off season. Not many, um, you know, Marco Rossi comes in, Pat Maroon's in uh, Reeves and steel. John Klingberg, I guess would be probably the biggest uh, exit. For them, uh, they replaced and basically internally, they had lots of defensemen. You know, they're hoping Addison can take another step uh, this year. Also, uh, Dumba uh, leaves uh, that squad. Um, I, I look at Minnesota, and I, I'm so impressed, Frank, that they're essentially like competing with the top dogs despite having $14 million in dead cap space. Like, it's impressive what Bill Guerin's been able to do. Coaching staff, the players, like they buy in. They play incredibly hard despite being at a significant advantage with 14 and it's really close to 14.7 mil in dead cap space. And they have it this year and next year. And if they could just hang around then, you know what? I look at the wild and you know what? They could be a team to reckon with because they've built a, a competitive culture there. Well, and that's what we were talking to Bill Guerin about at the end of last season, which was just hang on for these next two years. And then you can really kind of create something magical. I think they're on the right track. I think they're going to be really competitive again. I do think the defense core gets a little bit thin. Uh, I do think they still need more support down the middle. That said, they also need Philip Gustafson to have a pretty similar year that he had last year, which I don't want to say was out of the clear blue sky, but was like pretty close to that for a guy that spent a big chunk of the previous season in the AHL. And when he did play in the NHL for a quarter of the year was sub 900 in Ottawa. That trade was an absolute boon for Minnesota. Cam Talbot, of course, was injured for the bulk of the year in Ottawa. Gustafson now goes from 
you know, a pretty lean cap hit at 787.5 to a big raise this year at 375, chewing up some of that precious cap space for this team. I think the Wild are a solid playoff team, but I think the bigger question for Ottawa or for Minnesota is, did I say Ottawa? Yeah. The bi- the bigger question for Minnesota is can they vault from competitive team into contender status? And I think they're short of that. I, I would agree. I, I think Minnesota is the one team, Frank, that I have in the, in the playoff spot that I wouldn't be shocked if they end up getting caught by Winnipeg or St. Louis, because you know what injuries we know and one injury they, I like how competitive they are, but they're, they're young on the back end now losing Klingberg and Dumba. That's a lot of experience, right? Brock Faber is a young defense, but there's lots of high in him at, you know, Addison, the same thing, but young D man, it's tough. Sometimes, you know, Kale McCarr excluded, right. Um, you know, it's tough. Owen power, I guess, but it's tough for those guys to really elevate big minutes. So I think that's Minnesota. Their culture probably allows them to be competitive, but I don't see them. I think they're a playoff team, but I don't see them as a cup contender. And I would say one thing to keep in mind for Minnesota for this season is, can they be more consistent? They had way too many ups and downs, peaks and valleys last year for a stretch of time. They couldn't score into the ocean. They were frustrated, but also for a stretch of time, they they couldn't lose. So how do they find some some even keel now the top two teams dallas stars very good season last year 108 points 47 wins and you know what they can score you know joe pavelski continues to roll for them um and they you know what not, not any major you know they bring in matt duchene craig smith sam Steele, uh nils lundquist looks to be a regular uh you know colin miller's out on the back end glenn denning uh Kivaranta. And Domi, although he got he was out uh, late in the year anyway. Um, Duchesne at three million bucks, Frank, could be a hell of a bargain for them. I think he will be. I think it was one of the great pickups. And let me say this, because I don't want to feel like I'm burying the lead here. The Dallas Stars are my pick to win the Stanley Cup this year. Ooh. I don't know okay. if their regular season is going to be all that much to behold. I think they're well over 100 points. Don't know if they'll win the division or the West. And here's the point in the regular season. It doesn't matter. The reason why the stars for me are, are my pick to win the cup is they're battle tested. And I think they're one of the few teams in the league that with where they are and how they play their game is directly translatable to the playoffs. There is a heaviness to their game in addition to speed and mobility and creativity that I think suits them really well. And I look at this stars team and I say, there aren't really any holes here. No, I I'll be stunned if Colorado and Dallas don't meet in the second round of the playoffs. Me too. Yeah. I I think they're that good. And I've got like, like I think Rupe hints, for instance, like I think he takes a step from 75 points to a hundred points. Yeah. You know what? I really like Rupe Hints. I think he's one of the more underrated players maybe around, or maybe underappreciated. Underrated is probably unfair, but underappreciated, just how many things he does well all over the ice. And, uh, you know, Jamie Benn had a pretty big bounce back season last year. Jason Robertson, you know, what do you have? 108, 109 points uh, with with Dallas. Like, they've got, you know, a high offense guy. I think they had five 70-point players last year. Um, 
And, you know, I wonder, I wonder if Tyler Sagan can, can get back, you know, cause now he didn't have a terrible year, but 50 points for him. Like he should still be a 70 point player in my eyes. So um, Dallas has a lot, uh, a lot to offer. And I think that's going to be a great battle. One, two. We didn't even mention their back end or their goalie. I mean, that's how good they are. Is that like, I I think that's the easiest way to say it too, is they, they just, there's nothing about this team that I look at and I go, man, that is an absolute wild card or big question mark. There's maybe three or four teams in the league that I don't have a question like that for. And the stars are one of them. Yeah. No, Jake Ottinger, obviously, but Heiskanen and Lindell and Hawk and Pod. Man, uh, you know, Ryan Suter, although you know, he's getting older, but he's still decent. Um, I'm very curious to watch N- Nils Lundqvist this, uh, Lundqvist, uh, this season uh, with Dallas, right? And, um, you know, what he did play, uh, what he played, 60 games last year. I just, I like him, Frank. He's my surprise pick to kind of be a breakout defenseman. Uh, surprised by the wrong word. He's, he's my pick to be a breakout defenseman this year in the NHL. I like that. I think that's a great pick and look at some of the young players that they've had contribute to their team. You see Wyatt Johnson and and his rookie year, they've gotten contributions from guys that are that age. Yeah. Yeah. Mason Marchment. um, You know, they got like, look at the depth in Dallas, man. Like they got 10, 11 Fords deep. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty solid, which uh, leaves us to the last team. They had 109 points last year, but man, Talk about a massive amount of changeover for a team that had 109 points. Like, look, Rodri, Newhook, Comfer, Malgan, Nieto, Eller, gone. Johansson, Colton, Wood, Tatar, uh, Drouin, Olofsson are in. Now, obviously, Eric Johnson also out on the back end. But that's like six forwards, Frank. That's significant change for a team that had 109 points. It is, but they also really struggled last year. Kale McCarr missed 22 games. Obviously, they were in a spot where, you know, Landis Cog missed the year and he's going to miss the year again. Yeah. Um, I just think, I think the Johansson addition will be nice to help them down the middle. I think that was one place that they were really lacking last year. And I also think, you know, while there are question marks about, Valeri Nichushkin <clears throat> and the way that he exited the playoffs and under those murky circumstances and conditions, um, this team and their back end is good enough. I think their defense core is second only to the Carolina Hurricanes. They're that good. Um, I just think this team's really well structured. They're, they're the speed they have, the size that they have in most positions. They're in a good spot. Oh, yeah. Hey, the thing is, last year, they really relied on their star guys, like Miko Ranson and and, uh, Nathan McKinnon. They carried them offensively. Now, Nachushkin, you know, injuries and whatever else, um, that was a factor for sure. You mentioned Kale McCarr. So it's injury. Was it an injury or a bender? But no, but he came back. The bender was in the playoffs, right? But Nachushkin missed like 35 games in the regular season. Yeah, he missed uh, 29 games. And I just, the, the playoff bender to me is. Well, he's got first to prove off, himself. It's unforgivable first off. Um, and second, it's, it's really interesting how the abs have tried to sweep it under the rug. 
Yeah. Wow. You know, but that it's not surprising, unfortunately, in today's world. Some people are like, oh, don't don't bring attention to it. Don't bring attention to it. And um, you have to think, though, that his teammates, he's got to regain their trust. I think that's a fair way to say it. Yeah. So we'll see how uh, see how he does. Because, you know, playing well is one thing, but this was an off-ice issue where it's just like, hey, man, what's your commitment level? That's going to be their mm-hmm. question. So yeah. as we wrap up the Central Division preview, give me your eight teams in order of finish. I have Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, Winnipeg. Oh, no, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Nashville, Arizona, Chicago. Okay, I've got Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Nashville, Arizona, Chicago. Same as me. Born. Pretty, yeah, pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? And hey, we'll see as uh, as we open it up with that stat about the uh, the playoff changes from year to year. You never know. Like if St. Louis and Winnipeg get in the playoffs this year, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Right? Um, I don't have them in the postseason because I think both of us, Frank, we have three teams in the Central making the playoffs. Uh, we had five from the Pacific. And although we had different five, but uh, we each had five. So we have Minnesota, Colorado, and Dallas as the three playoff teams, which would be the first time ever that the uh, Central only has three teams in the playoffs. And I think the big delineation between this year and years past is it's one thing to be a playoff team. It's another thing to be a cup contender. And whatever kind of happens on the periphery of that is what it is. It's the nature, the fickle nature of the NHL. but are the Jets or the Preds cup contenders if they get in? Are the Blues cup? I, I just don't see it. No. So that's no. where there's kind of a clear delineation for me of tiers in the division itself. Yeah. I think the top two teams in each division, Vegas, Edmonton, Dallas, Colorado, are legit cup contenders. Then there's just a step below for the rest. Mm-hmm. Frank, have yourself a, a great day. Uh, enjoy the uh, Connor Bedard NHL debut in Pittsburgh. Uh, we will have the uh, Atlantic Division preview on the next DFO rundown. Be safe. I'm going to have Thanksgiving Day brunch. So I'm getting Yeah, out. happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Sarah Volley and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.